It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. You are Locked On Auburn, your daily podcast on the Auburn Tigers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, welcome on into Locked On Auburn, your daily Auburn Tigers podcast. I am your host, Zach Blackerby, joining me as he does every Monday, Lindsey Crosby. How are you? Man, I am pumped. Uh, I am I am very excited. This is the final week we without college football. Yeah. It's back on Saturday. That was our last Saturday. We had to live without college football for a while. Yeah, so I, I guess week zero is officially here. Auburn, obviously mm-hmm. not a, a participant of week zero, but we're still going to watch a ton of games throughout the uh, the tail end of the week and then, of course, into the weekend. So, yeah, it's here. The offseason's over. We've made it. In fact, Auburn's got an open practice on Saturday. We had a ton of things to talk about with the scrimmage this past Friday as well as a bunch of off-the-field news as well. We'll jump into that. Today's show, though, brought to you by our friends at FetchMe. FetchMeHomeDelivery.com is their website, or you can download their app. Just search FetchMeDelivery. It'll pop up in whatever app store that your phone uses, and when you use it, you will experience true local meal delivery and other things, Uh, and you'll actually get a sense that these are local people and they care about you and they're going to reach out to you and make sure everything's okay and and, and all of that. So highly recommend it. And as folks are planning their trips into Auburn, uh, whether it's you're just visiting or whether you have a kiddo that is now enrolled here, I know there's a lot of folks going through that right now and they want to visit. Or of course, if they're staying in a hotel, FetchMe makes it super, super easy to have food delivered to your hotel room. Check out their website at FetchMeDelivery.com. And use promo code local meal to get uh to get a nice discount if you spend more than thirty bucks. So there you go. Lindsay, let's talk about it briefly. And I stress briefly here because you can hear this literally anywhere else. And so I, I want to give you guys something different when you tune in or if you're watching on YouTube. Thank you all for subscribing, by the way. But if you tune into any SEC show or Auburn football related show. They're talking about COVID and vaccinations and, you know, Brian Harson's style of leadership. I don't really care to do that. That's just me. That is not a fun conversation for me. But Brian Harson tested positive for COVID. Sounds like Derek Mason did as well, the defensive coordinator, and several mm-hmm. players. That's where we're at, Lindsay. That's really all I want to do as far as talking about it. But it did, it sounds like it had an impact on the scrimmage Friday night. Auburn's offense apparently was abysmal, and we can get into details there if you want to now or later, Lindsay. But um, I am willing to look at this through a glass-half-full lens and say all of these guys will be back well in time before Akron, as well as, hey, maybe that's why things look so bad and grim for Auburn football on Friday. This is really something where, I mean, we have to give the benefit of the doubt as far as the offensive performance until we see the starting five on offense, we have everybody in there. 
you have your coaches, you have everybody in place. It's hard to take to have to cut out a fourth of the staff and players and then say, oh yeah, this is the offense you're going to see against Akron. The reports, Bo was fine. Bo was fine. But if you take any starting quarterback, pull out two starting linemen and one of his starting receivers, he's probably just going to look fine. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, benefit of the doubt. Uh, Assume they'll have this fixed. The timeline for all this COVID stuff is everybody should be back before Akron. We shouldn't have any issues. So assume that what happened at the scrimmage was just a weird complex of issues and let's move on. Yeah, and I still think the offense is a work in progress. I don't think either of us are saying, I don't want to put words in your mouth, Lindsay, but I don't think either of us are saying that the offense is close and that it would have been good on Friday night. I still think I still think it's going to take time into the season. And I think the way the schedule lays out is very fortunate for the Auburn Tigers. We've talked about this before. Um, but you, you, you bring up Bo Nix. We'll talk about Bo Nix first. You mentioned that he was fine. But an interesting report that we're seeing consistently from, from you know, whether it's message boards, people that were at practice, or, you know, leaks that got out and reporters talking about it. The common theme here is, one, that Bo Nix was fine, but also that, like, he's not accurate when throwing on the run. And that's something that he does a lot, some by choice, some because he's forced to due to the nature of the offensive line. But I kind of thought he would be better at that. And it could have been an off day. I'm not, I, I don't want to like just kind of poop on Bo Nix. I think Bo Nix is going to have a good season this year. So please don't mishear me when I say this. But I think for Bo Nix to be as good of a quarterback as he possibly could be in 2021, throwing on the run is going to need to be a part of his game. Yeah. And, and part of the throwing on the run issues, I like to attribute to it's a combination, right? It's not just. Bo Nix like mechanically moving the ball from him to the receiver. It's him throwing the ball to where the receiver is. The implication is if he's throwing the ball on the run, it's probably a bit of a scramble drill. A lot of these are new receivers. So maybe in a vacuum, Bo wasn't like that wasn't a bad pass, but with the receiver doing that scramble drill, that pass looked inaccurate from Bo Nix. Again, benefit of the doubt. We don't know for a fact uh, you know, this is something he does, like you said, he does this quite a bit. I'd like to assume mechanically he's probably fine with it. Yeah. And it's just a matter of, you know, he has to know which direction the receiver is going to break so that his throw is on the right shoulder and is catchable. And we've seen him make awesome throws on the run before. So he mm-hmm. could have just had a bad day and there was a lot to process with guys um, missing time. So I'm sure that was a weird situation for him. As far as, uh, we'll keep talking about the passing attack, several interceptions. Roe Torrance got an interception. Sounds like that one was in the end zone. Joko Willis, linebacker, uh, haven't talked much about him. He got an interception. Um, the Roe Torrance one, though, is kind of the one that's generated some conversation, Lindsay. Uh, it sounds like it would have been a 100-yard pick six. Um, sounds like Bo Nix threw that one based on you know what I've read. I think AuburnLive.com was where I saw that. And... Uh, you know, I mean, that happens. People throw picks in the end zone, but it's just, once again, like when you haven't had a good fall so far, that's something you want to see. Also, in the realm of the passing game, sounds like receivers were a bit more inconsistent than they have been in the past. A lot more drops were had based on reports coming out of that scrimmage. Yeah, and no Elijah Canyon at all as far as participating in the scrimmage. He was on the field. He was there, though. Thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was there, but not on the field. So it's something where he's throwing to a brand new receiver and then what we would believe would be the third and fourth guy versus one of your more talented tenured receivers in Elijah Canyon. So 
Uh, we've been hearing now about drops from the receivers for a few weeks. Yeah. We've been hearing this. We heard that for the first scrimmage. We've been hearing this from fall camp. It's been a consistent theme about guys just not kind of doing some of the basic elements of the job. And part of that you have to wonder is, are they, they are learning a new offense. And so how much are they consciously thinking about the depth of their route? Are they thinking about, about what, how to adjust based on this coverage? We did hear there's a lot more of a mental responsibility with this offense when it comes to adjusting your route based off coverages and things like that. So as they get more reps in this and as they, as those decisions happen subconsciously, I think you'll see a little more focus and the consistency on the catching will improve, but it's definitely an area to be concerned about. The last thing we need with a quarterback who has had lower completion percentages in the past is we last thing we need is guys catching uh, guys, missing balls, guys dropping easy balls. Yeah. But I mean, the narrative coming out of camp, whether it was from coaches or even players for the past week or so leading to Friday's scrimmage, the second scrimmage of fall camp was how much better the receivers have been. So once again, I am okay chalking it up to Friday was a bad day because there's a lot of stuff that these kids had to process. There's a lot of stuff going on. Their leader, Mm -hmm. Brian Harson was not there. And uh, you mentioned those two offensive linemen. I want to talk about that next right here on locked on Auburn today's show brought to you by our friends at sweat block. Uh, sweat block is doctor created doctor recommended. It works up to seven days per use and they have what is they, uh, they call it the dry shirt guarantee. So you apply it. It's like their, uh, their wipes and, um, yeah, you, you apply it, you follow the directions on the box and, um, you, you don't sweat for a week or so. So if this is something you struggle with, whether it's a confidence standpoint or, or just a practical standpoint of it's ruining your shirts, um, sweat block has an answer for you. And once again, it's, I mean, this is made by doctors and recommended by doctors. Big deal, big deal. And you can get it today for 20% off. Just go to sweatblock.com and use promo code LOCKEDON, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, promo code LOCKEDON for 20% off at sweatblock.com. It's also available at Amazon and CVS, but if you want to get that 20% off code, go to sweatblock.com. It's Kubota Orange Day. Shop the year's best selection of Kubota tractors, zero-turn mowers, and utility vehicles, including the number one selling compact tractor in the USA, and now through June 30. Get 0% APR for 84 months, or up to $3,300 off select compact tractors. See the details at KubotaOrangedays.com. Your family, your land, and your livestock deserve equipment they can count on. So find your local dealer today. That's KubotaOrangedays.com. Lindsay, you mentioned it uh, earlier in our conversation, but no, uh, there was no Brandon Council to be seen and no Brodarius Ham to be seen. And we don't know the reason why. I think we can assume, but I'm not going to do that here. But I think we don't officially know the reason why. And if you're listening or viewing us here on YouTube, you can um, make that leap for yourself if you want to. If not, doesn't matter. But what was had was Tayshawn Manning started, which... I spent a lot of time last week wondering where he was in the starting lineup. And it's interesting. They obviously listened to the show. <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's it. Um, I thought Brandon Council and Tayshawn Manning would both be a guard, though. So I, I wasn't fully correct there. But I do think Manning will be a starter when it's all said and done. Um, but it sounds like Manning was okay. But, yeah, I mean, once you had to assume they were getting close and they were going to use the information gathered from Friday scrimmage to make decisions on, okay, this is our starting offensive line that we're rolling with. You, you, you had to assume that that information and that data 
was important for them to make this moving forward. And, and it's gone. Like none of it was relevant because you couldn't, you know, really manipulate it at all. You couldn't, you couldn't have different personnel groups from your offensive front when the ones and the twos and all that is just, this is what we had. So we're going to run, you know, 25 plays with the starting offensive line, which isn't complete. Cause I think we all assume Brodarius Ham will be a starter. And we all assume mm-hmm. Brandon Katz will be a starter. I think that's pretty much unanimous across the board. So that, that to me, if you had to put one specific thing in here, that is the biggest issue that came out of the weekend. And I know a lot of people are going to be like, that is blasphemous because of all the other stuff that came out. And it's like, guys, I really think when it's all said and done, everything else is going to be okay. Unless somebody gets a really bad case of it, I think everyone is going to be okay. And so from a football standpoint, I think having two offensive linemen out this close to the season that's a big deal, especially when you're still trying to mix and match and create the best offensive line that you can, given that the season is now less than two weeks away. Yeah, something we said last week was the offense, you know, the the offense would look better in scrimmages when they stopped mixing and matching and they had the same five guys in there every day to build that chemistry with each other. And then obviously two of the five guys are out. So right. you're not doing that. Uh we you mentioned it in the first segment, but our schedule breaks favorably. I mean, we're going to have to do some of that chemistry building on the fly. We're just yeah. going to have to do it live. And thankfully, we have some games that, notwithstanding uh, their viewpoint, we have some games that should be rather, you know, that should be pretty straightforward for Auburn to win in Akron and in Georgia Southern. Ooh, uh, don't but, tell Akron that. Don't tell Akron that. They they don't believe that. No. But some some games that should be rather straightforward. And so we're going to have to, to, to just build that chemistry on the fly on the field. So are we going to come out and look absolutely amazing against Akron? I think this lowers the chances of that. We're still going to win the football game, but this lower, I mean, am I going to look at if that line's 35 or 40, am I going to think about taking Akron to cover? Maybe I am because I don't necessarily know that the offense is going to put up as many points as we expect. Mm -hmm. Right. Bottom line, the biggest takeaway from Friday is... Auburn's defense is ready to go. And the energy and the excitement and the hype around this defense is that it is elite. It is an elite defense. The front seven seems to be clicking. The pass rush seems to be clicking. I think the run defense is going to be interesting. I think if you had to pick a weakness of this defense, it's the run defense. And people may disagree. If you disagree, please let me know. But And obviously, the defensive backs are elite. Uh, I mean, we may have the best defensive backfield in the country when it's all said and done. And I don't think that's that much of a hot take because it's weird. In the last week or so, we all remember that we have Roger McCreary still. It's like he's been <laughs> he's been so quiet. Uh, you know, there's been absolutely no competition at cornerback one. But the emergence, the fact that Nehemiah Pritchett is making us not talk about Drayshon Miller is a big deal. And then he came out and said last week, and Ferg and I talked about it on you know the Ferg Friday edition of Locked on Auburn, but Nehemiah Pritchett, he's not playing nickel. He's playing outside corner, which leads me to believe that they want him to be the number two corner opposite Roger McCreary. And it's like over Drayshon Miller. And it sounds like Jalen Simpson's balling out too. And it's like, I think all of these guys are ahead of Drayshon Miller, the West Virginia transfer, who was one of the better corners from an analytics standpoint in all of college football last year. If that doesn't get you excited, I don't know what does because there's so much focus about what's going wrong right now 
Let's ignore that because I really think it's all going to work itself out. And when you look at just some of the position battles that are starting to kind of level out on the defensive side of the ball, man, there's a lot, a lot of upside, Lindsay. There's a lot of talent on this defense. Uh, like you said, potentially one of the best. And I think that the situations that this defense is going to shine, you're going to see them shine in the first two weeks because ostensibly Auburn should have a lead in those weeks. And True. so these teams are going to be passing to catch up. And that's going to be our strength, especially at the beginning of the season, is pass defense. I think when you when we, the first time that we face a team of the same talent level as us, so looking at a Penn State, something like that, that can keep the game closer, that can have an offense that can score points, I think that's when you'll see the defense and you'll see the question of how good is our rush defense actually answered. Yeah, uh, That game may look different, but in weeks one and two, this is set up for our defense to go out there to just dominate and to just carry us to a victory for the first two weeks. Today's show brought to you by the best tasting protein bar ever, Built Bar. Lindsay, as we record this Sunday afternoon, shortly before uh, we sat down to record, I just uh, I got done off of uh, my exercise bike here, and you know dinner was only a few hours away, so I grabbed a Built Bar, a great post-workout protein snack. I eat them a lot for breakfast as well. Um, highly recommended. They got a ton of different flavors. They got their newest flavor, pistachio, if you were nuts for that kind of thing. But all of the... Um, oh, nice, nice. Yes, thank you. But uh, all of the, all of the bars, very high in protein, very low in calories, and uh, very high in deliciousness. So, built.com, use promo code LOCK15 to get 15% off your order. Use promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at built.com. Also... It's that time of the year again, and all eyes are turning to football as teams are back on the gridiron for the start of the season. As always, Bet Online is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this year. Bet Online is the easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. So go to betonline.ag, and when you sign up today, you can receive a 100% welcome bonus. It used to be 50, it is now a 100%. Welcome bonus, free money. All you have to do is use promo code Locked On when you make that deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Lindsay, we've got a few minutes left. I want to keep talking about the defense because, man, it sounds like they are ready. And it sounds like Marcus Harris is a freak. It sounds like he is absolutely crushing everyone's dreams on the offensive line. And he has just become a stud, a stud at the line of scrimmage. I think he falls in that similar situation as Eguliota, where we just don't talk about them because they committed uh, they they committed the transfer so long ago that there was newer and shinier things to talk about. Harris is a little more but, recent. I think Harris was yeah. over, Harris was uh, since I mean, he was over the summer at some point. Yeah, but like still, we just we we the guys on the defensive line, especially in a three, four are usually just kind of anonymous and they're just, they're the guys who go in there and do the dirty work. And yeah. I really think that Marcus Harris is one, probably the best player Kansas has ever had. I don't, I don't, I'm not a scientist, but I think that he's the best player they've ever had. Uh, but two, I, he's, he's really in a great situation to just come in and with all the youth we have on the defensive line to come in and just really, have a chance to start for multiple years and be one of the better linemen at Auburn. Um, I'm excited to see what he does. I've heard nothing but great reviews. Uh, I was surprised how much we've heard about him from both offensive and defensive players. It sounds like everybody on both sides of the ball is just impressed with his talent, his instincts, um, as well as how hard he's worked in the weight room and, and conditioning since he got here. 
Yeah, yeah, and I don't know if you heard my conversation with Jay Ferg from Friday, but we answered a question in the Discord about, you know, name all 22 starters for Akron. And we actually named 23. We 23. did a base 3-4, then threw in a nickel also. But um, our starting defensive front was Tony Fair, transfer, Marcus Harris, transfer, and then obviously Colby Wooden. But, I mean, if they hadn't have had the transfer portal, if it had not been the same thing that it was, you know, if it had been like it was last year, Auburn's defensive front looks a ton different, and it looks really, really bad. But now with this, I mean, they've got so much depth. And it's funny because me and you may have talked about it. We definitely talked about it on the show at some point. But during during the early parts of the transfer portal era, right, I was like, why are we just getting defensive guys? It's the offense that we're all concerned about. But, man, all of a sudden it's like, wow, they've got depth everywhere. Like, they... They went into it knowing that I think the offense was going to kind of be touch and go, and the defense was going to have to keep them in football games. And, man, that, from a roster management standpoint, wasn't that a great decision? They went out and told Derek Mason, like, listen, we need you to carry this. Yeah. So go get whoever you need. We'll make it work. We'll make the scholarship limit work. We'll make all of that work, which we supposedly we have help coming with the scholarship limit. There's some changes to be made there. But... And Derek Mason went out and delivered, and he went out and he's gotten guys at all three levels. And I, I say this every week, don't worry about the fact that we have more guys who are starter quality than starter spots. Depth will always work itself out. Yep. Uh, nobody gets through a college football season completely healthy. You're going to see guys nicked up. You're going to see injuries. You're going to see stretches of bad performance. The depth will work itself out. Be glad that we went out and got all these extra players like a Roe Torrance, like a Bidarius Knight, and like a Marcus Harris because we're going to need all of those guys to you know to carry this team at least the first half of the schedule, if not the full season. And just to, to wrap up today's show, how about our guy Grant Loy getting the the vast majority of the snaps with the second unit? Who? What's going on there? You love to see it. I um, you know, it's good things happen to good people, and your boy Grant Loy has definitely earned the opportunity. Um, I'm it. I am cautiously optimistic about. Um, what he may have a chance to do this year. I see him scoring a touchdown as a, you know, as a holder in a special team situation. Some oh. sort of fake. You know that that Brian Harson wasn't wild about the fakes at Boise, but he did them when he needed to. Sure. And I feel like Grant Loy has a good chance uh, to to you know throw or run at least one touchdown this season from a field goal formation. So I'm excited. I'm excited for that to happen. <laughs> uh, and I'll go ahead and make that prediction official on the show. Okay. No, I'm glad you shared that. I'm glad that you dropped that bomb on me at the end of uh, at the end of this show. Now, I assume he did most of the second stuff. Was Finley rotating in with the one? Is that what was going on there? Because the following practice, sorry to cut you off, the following practice on Saturday, it sounds like Bo really struggled. I think he was like one of four, extremely small sample size. Uh, but Finley like looked a lot better than Bo on Saturday. So I, I wonder... I wonder if that was part of it, if there was more of a rotation going on with the ones, and so they're like, Grant, you take the second team. I I would love to know. I believe, and from what I was reading in some message boards, I think it was Grant and Lloyd was just running the second team, and Bo and and, and TJ took turns on, team, on the first team. So Grant and Lloyd running the second team, I mean, that's something we hadn't, we weren't expecting that two weeks out, and um, sometimes life uh, finds a way. I'm not going to answer my opinion on this because I'm going to talk about it a lot more with uh, on Charlie Tuesday tomorrow, Lindsay. But before we wrap up, I'd love to hear your thoughts. 
Are you starting to believe the legitimacy of the fact that Bo Nix may not be the starter? Are you, are you, do you think that is legitimate or more legitimate now than it was even a week ago? No. Um, yeah. As much change as they've put into this offense, um, you know, as, as far as completely changing how we do things and not changing the offensive line personnel, I think that Bo, I think they understand Bo's mobility gives us the best chance to win. And, He's, been, he's just been on campus and around these coaches a lot more than TJ Finley has. He's had a lot more opportunities to learn the playbook. Now, do I am I 100% sure Bo will finish the season as the starter? I'm not. There's a possibility yeah. I can see there where poor performance TJ Finley takes over. And another prediction that I've shared in our Discord is I think one way or another, this is the final season Bo Nix starts at Auburn. Um, if he has a a really good to great season. Obviously, I think he's going to go pro. Mm-hmm. And if he has just an okay season, I think we're going to see some sort of change made in the offseason or to start next season because I don't think Brian Harson's going to accept just okay out of a third-year quarterback in the SEC. So my my bold prediction is one way or the other, this is probably Bo Nix's final year starting at Auburn. Or just how the season looks, right? Like if he struggles early and then gets better as the season goes on, if he's not yanked or something like that, you know, maybe yeah. there's an exception there, but... Yeah, you may be right. That's an interesting take that I got to think about a little bit more. Lindsay, where can people find you and hear you? I am, I am at Auburn Banker on the social and in our Discord. And you can hear me 7 to 9, Monday through Friday, with you on News Talk WANI. You can follow me on Twitter at Z Blackerby. Shows on Twitter at Locked on Auburn and on Instagram at Auburn Podcast. If you're watching on YouTube, please click that subscribe button, like the video, leave a comment about what you thought. Would really, really appreciate it. We'll be back tomorrow right here on Locked on Auburn. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked on podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.